Welcome to Global Chit Chat, the podcast that helps you navigate the international employee benefits landscape. I'm your host, Leticia, and in today's episode, we will help you get your arms around offering employee benefits in Argentina. And I'm Alex, today's fun fact checker, and together we'll take you on a benefits journey around the world. So let's get started. Our guest today is Martín Calatayud. Martín leads Aon's health solution practice in Buenos Aires and has spent the last 20 plus years helping multinational employers evaluate, develop, and implement employee benefit solutions in Argentina. Thanks for being our guest, Martín. Thank you very much, Leti. Martín, we usually kick off our podcast by sharing some interesting facts about the country we're discussing. Alex has been busy trying to find interesting things to learn about Argentina. What were you able to find, Alex? Thanks, Leticia. Well, Argentina, with its abundance of valuable minerals, is named the land of silver from the Latin word Argentum. In this beautiful land, we can not only find the widest street in the world, the Avenida Nueva de Julio in Buenos Aires, it has 16 lanes of traffic plus landscape medians, but we can also find the world's largest waterfall system, Biodiversity in Argentina is also among the highest in the world in terms of animals, plants, and ecological regions. Now, Argentina is also the reigning World Cup champion. So let's look at some fun facts around football or soccer for the North Americans. First things first, although football certainly is the most important sport in Argentina, it is actually not the official national sport. The official national sport is El Pato. This is a very unique and exciting sport. It's a mix of polo, basketball, and horseback riding. Now, this being said, football is quite important in Argentina. It's so important that it, or more precisely, Diego Maradona, inspired the beginning of the Church of Maradona, which has over 120,000 members. Also, speaking to the importance of football in Argentina, after winning the last World Cup, a new law prohibiting naming a child Messi needed to be introduced in Lionel Messi's home city of Rosario, as the name was becoming just too popular. In other words, in this magnificent land of Argentina, football truly is the most popular sport played by young and old, so much so that over 90% of the total population declares allegiance to an Argentinian football club. Thanks, Alex. I'll say it again. I'm amazed by the things you learn on this podcast. Martin, between the two of us, I've done quite a bit of traveling around the world and Buenos Aires is among my favorite capitals. As a local, what is the one thing you believe most visitors don't do when they visit Buenos Aires that you think everybody should do at least once? That's a good question. There are many things to do and many places to visit in Buenos Aires, but I would suggest going to one of the historical farms from the 1800s. They're known as estancias and experience the gaucho's way of living. Maybe take a short horseback ride, eat the typical food, which is empanadas and asado de campo, and spend a few hours in the countryside. That sounds like so much fun. And really, how can you beat empanadas and asado de campo made by true gauchos, right? I'm totally in. Martin, why don't we start digging a little bit into our topic? It helps set the stage for us. What are some of the common challenges an employer, any employer, will face in Argentina? Just help break it down for us. 
Well, I would say the biggest challenge any employer faces in Argentina today is inflation. Of course, this is a much broader topic that touches more than just employee benefits. But the pressure caused by one of the highest inflation rates in over 50 years is affecting both employers and their employees. To give an idea, annual inflation in Argentina was 102% over the last 12 months. As you can imagine, hyperinflation impacts everyday life. We have significant increases in all basic goods, gas, food prices, rent, all of them are very high. That's very interesting. I wasn't aware that the situation was that dire. Yes, and sales tax in Argentina is 21%. To give you some context, California has the highest state sales tax in the United States, which is 7.25%, and ours is 21%, so the situation is severe. To keep up with inflation, employers must give higher and more frequent salary adjustments. We're seeing annual salary increases of 80% or 90%, and the challenge is that employees' salaries are still not increasing at the rate of inflation, even with those high salary increases. Martin, I love that you provided context. It helps our audience understand the bigger picture. So along that same vein, and to frame the problems caused by inflation in Argentina, let me share one statistic. In the U.S., Annual inflation at the end of February 2023 was 6%. The highest average annual inflation rate in the history of the United States was close to 18%. And that was back in 1917 when the U.S. became involved in World War I. To compare that to Argentina's inflation over the last 12 months of 102%, and the difference is significant. But let's go back to employee benefits. How is inflation impacting an employer's ability to provide employee benefits? With so many cost pressures, employers are reducing benefits in order to try to control costs. The problem is that if they cut benefits too much, the perceived value of their benefits program will decrease and they will have a hard time attracting and retaining talent. With these levels of inflation, it's difficult for employers to try to predict future cost increases in their benefits program. Just imagine you're a CFO and you're seeing 80% or 100% increases in your annual healthcare costs, which is quite typical now. You have no way to determine if that increase is appropriate for your group or for the utilization patterns. And the worst part is that you can't predict what the increase will be next year. On top of that, the administration of healthcare benefits in Argentina is really complicated. So if that CFO is trying to find ways to manage costs, they first need to understand how the system works and where to dig to find cost reductions. The problem is that this is not their area of expertise, so most companies don't even know where to start. Let's talk through that a little bit. What you're saying is that finding potential cost reductions is difficult, but not impossible. It's just a matter of having the right type of expertise. So if that's the obstacle, why aren't more companies trying to actively chase these savings? Well, I would say basically because chasing savings in a system that is so complex requires a lot of additional work. I'll give you a couple of examples. The social system is funded by two types of monthly contributions, 3% of gross salary from each employee and 6% of payroll from each employer. An employer can use most of that contribution as a credit to provide the employees a private medical plan. If an employee was incorrectly enrolled at the beginning, 
that employer cannot use that employee's contribution as a credit, which means that the company will have to pay 100% of the private medical plan coverage for that employee. I know it sounds like a simple problem to fix, but making that change involves auditing monthly payments by employee, requesting the records from the system, finding overpayments, requesting the credits, following up, and believe me, all of this takes a lot of time. I can only imagine. It sounds very labor-intensive. Yes, and another example is coverage for spouses. Imagine there's an employee in company A that is married. Their spouse is a dependent, and that spouse also has a full-time job, but in company B, and is making mandatory contributions. The contributions made by the spouse and by company B for that spouse can be claimed by company A to pay for the private medical plan. Knowing the rules, auditing the records, making the claim also takes a lot of time. Either one of these examples can generate potential savings, and we know this because we do this type of work for our clients all the time. So there are many opportunities to reduce costs if you know how to do it. I think you've proven your point, Martin. Managing healthcare benefits in Argentina is more complicated than managing other benefits. Let's take life insurance, for example. We know that in Argentina, there is a mandatory death benefit covered by the employer. We also know that most employers offer a supplementary life insurance benefit of 24 times monthly pay, typically. So in comparison, other insured benefits are simpler. But clearly, there's a lot more to navigating the healthcare system, especially when healthcare is one of the most important topics for employees. And that brings me to my next question. I want to pick your brain on working with healthcare carriers in Argentina. I know there are a few healthcare vendors in the market. However, we see that there's one specific carrier that creates more noise for clients than any other, and that carrier is OSDE. Help us solve the mystery of working with OSTE. Who is OSTE? What are their strengths? And what are some of the challenges companies face when working with them locally? Well, before I respond to your question about OSTE, I would like to clarify that in Argentina, the healthcare system is not insured. Private providers known as obras sociales, such as OSTE, are medical providers, not insurance company. So, There is not such thing as a policy expiration date or policy renewal or even claims reports. It is a different system. There are several private providers in Argentina, but OSDE is the most recognized and best ranked of all of them. On one side, OSDE offers very comprehensive coverage. They have an extensive network of providers and offer easy access to services. Typically, employees are very happy with OSDE and changing that carrier will definitely create some noise. On the opposite side, The HR administration part is not easy. Enrollment is complex and it takes a long time for an employee to get enrolled because it includes medical underwriting. Another important challenge is that OSDE does not have English-speaking representatives. So if you are in the US or in another country, like many of our multinational clients are, and you want to talk to someone about a service issue, for example, communication will be very difficult. The point here, Leticia, is that multinational companies without a local HR present offering OSDE will save a lot of time and energy if they have a local consultant who can provide a more comprehensive level of support. Martin, I'm glad we had this conversation and that our listeners could benefit from your knowledge and local employee benefits management expertise. Thank you very much for being our guest today. You're welcome. Thank you. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed our podcast. And please leave a review or share your comments on social media. And don't forget to join us on our next episode of Global Chit Chat to discuss multinational pooling. <laughs>